Blog Talk Radio. the country by blog talk radio and later bfo360.com this is fanatic radio america's premier sports music program i'm your host mike gardner and join with me always partner in crime the notorious ben florence live and direct bfo how are you this afternoon i am uh doing great i got off work a little bit early after doing a job uh, down in south jersey and that was uh, that was interesting. Transporting some uh, some ancient medical equipment to a donation place down near Trenton, which that was fun. And but uh, beyond that, everything's going uh, swimmingly up here. Uh, how about uh, wherever you may be? Still in the Lone Star State. Uh, it's 105 yeah. in the shade. But we have a good show for you on hand. We'll talk uh, some new changes in Major League Baseball, some NFL training camp. And uh, a little uh, bag of tricks towards the end of the show. But we'll begin today in the NASCAR world with uh, the Tony Stewart story. It's been a week since uh, Stewart and uh, had the incident in uh, the New York Dirt Track featuring uh, Kevin Ward Jr. as he elected to sit out the Watkins Glen race. This morning, however, after a new rule change by Robin Pemberton of NASCAR and that sufficient fines will be dished out if drivers were to leave their car for uh, unknown circumstances. Stewart Haas Racing went one bit further, hiring Jeff Burton to race the 14 car, as Tony Stewart has announced to miss the second consecutive race. And here is what Executive Vice President of Stewart Haas Racing, Brett Flood, addressed the media this morning at Michigan International Speedway. Uh, this decision was Tony's um, emotional week for him. He's grieving. Uh, made the decision he's not ready to get in the race car, and we'll take it uh, week by week, and it's going to be up to Tony when he's ready to get back in the car. It's It's been an emotional week for him. Um, he's grieving, and uh, any time someone is lost, especially at a racetrack, it's it's tragic. Um, it was a tragic accident, and, and he's dealing um, with quite a bit of grief. Now, we still have yet to hear from Stuart other than the uh, the original statement he made for missing the Watkins Glen race. Beeflo, uh, initial thoughts of a, a full week of Tony Stewart coverage. We've seen you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly from the world media, just how naive many yeah. people are with, uh, with, this, with the situation of dirt track racing and how this does not pertain to NASCAR, only through Tony Stewart. But he's missing his yeah. second consecutive race. What do you make of all of it? Well, I can't blame him. Ultimately, he definitely made the right decision. There really was no way he could race on sun, last Sunday and the complete in the immediate aftermath of the incident. And I think that uh, the team initially made mistakes where they said, uh, you know, it's business as usual. And that was great because if Delhi would believe the competition director, that was uh, a gaffe on their part. Of course, NASCAR had the, the stupid tweet, you know, with heavy hearts, we turn our heads to the hashtag cheese at 350 or whatever that tweet was, and that was completely inane on NASCAR's part. I can't, I think Stewart's making a sound decision. Uh, I think that it's, you know, it's still, it has been a week, but the, uh, the, the poor, uh, you know, the kid who died in this tragedy, the buried at the funeral yesterday, and, you know, I think for Stewart, I think even now it's still too soon for him to come out, come back in a race car after such an incident. I don't think he's worried about how the fans react or media coverage. I think legitimately whether this really is his decision. And I'm sure uh, uh, Stewart House Racing folks are obviously tuned in with this decision. I think that Stewart is simply right now 
even though we haven't heard that much, probably does not have the mental capacity in terms of being able to drive still so soon after this incident, uh, whatever uh, anybody has made of it, it's, you know, it's obviously a tragedy. And it's also a little crazy that we're talking about Stuart now and almost instead of the kid, but that's also kind of the nature of the game of the players involved. So I think Stewart, uh, the team, I think he's making a good decision not to race. Uh, I wouldn't go as far to say that we won't see him again next year, but I still think that we. Uh, I'm still not even sure that he'll race uh, next uh, next week uh, as well. So it's it's definitely a, a tough period, really, for everybody involved. And I think Stewart. You know, I, I would imagine that he w- would want to come back, race, try to put this past him. Obviously, something so tragic that happened, it, it will be very hard for him to uh, more or less move on. Well, smart for the smart for the Watkins Glen decision. This week, I understand as well because I think he is waiting until all the legal. Pit uh-huh. bit of it is settled until a verdict is reached, until he knows sort of what his destination is. Because it does seem sort of a bad move to continue to race when not all the answers have been, you know, yeah. revealed. And at the end of the day, he he holds, you know, and I wouldn't go as far as the saying of the key to his own jail cell, but he controls, you know, all the power. It's basically the state of New York, because, you know, the judicial system has to come into play. The legal yep. system, Kevin Ward Jr.'s family, and Tony Stewart. And so, so far, Stewart has, you know, other than the statement, has been very quiet and has done the smart thing. He hasn't gone into the public. He hasn't gone back and raced. I don't think he's yeah. shown up at the facilities. I think he's back in Indiana. So until he's ready, and of course, psychologically, you know, who knows how long that'll take. It could be Absolutely. weeks, days. It could be months. But... I think you know this week is is understandable because the uh, you know the county sheriffs were saying this could be you know handled with in, in two weeks and that was last week, so this week is understandably fine. Next week eh, it's a possibility he may or may not race if it goes as far as like um, uh, you know Richmond, which in that case would be a month since the accident. That's when you start to question, okay, how you know how badly has this really affected Stewart? Because, uh-huh. you know, like I said, at the end of the day, it's it's down to him. And, you know, Brett Flood was, uh, and Greg Zipidelli were saying, you know, we have been in contact, but he's surrounded by, you know, close family and friends. So they're going to try to keep Stuart out of this as much as you can. The only question is, though, is how far will it go for people just to start questioning Stuart's judgment, saying, oh, did he sit out too long? And at the end of the day, we have no idea until Tony Stewart... Uh, is, is, you know, mentally capable to come back into a race car. That being said, is it helping or hurting NASCAR at Stewart's out of the car? Well, I think uh, because I I don't think it's hurting NASCAR. I think that from from what I can tell, I'm, I'm not certain, for what my inclination is, is NASCAR hasn't really been, you know, involved really in any of Stewart's decision. Maybe they said to him, you probably shouldn't have raced last week. They probably may have said, because initially it was all inclination that he was going to race, even though everyone was like, you, there's no way you can. But NASCAR really isn't in, in an odd position here because something like this has never really happened where a regular NASCAR driver, whether it's the biggest star as Tony Stewart is, is involved in such an incident like the one he was and not at a race of NASCAR jurisdiction. It happened at this local dirt track in um, western New York. So I think NASCAR is has been put, uh, really through no fault of their own, has been put kind of in a very awkward position to where it, I'm not even certain technically what jurisdiction NASCAR really has. I think it, I think it may be better for him for uh, Stewart not to rush, uh, just for a NASCAR's perspective, Stewart not to rush back and to wait out, let this play out, let the, the legal system play out before they get involved because it's still not certain. 
although it appear it appears unlikely at this point that there could be true criminal charges that could still happen. So I think uh, having a Stewart uh, choosing to to wait this one out, I think in my opinion it's better for NASCAR than had he come back right away and is racist. Yeah, because NASCAR is taking a lot of flack for this, which makes no sense because as you know, NASCAR fans and people familiar with the sport, it has nothing to do with NASCAR. The only link is Tony Stewart happens to be a driver, which is interesting yeah. because, that, because I, think it was, uh, I think it was Kyle Petty saying the other day how NASCAR is not unionized, so no burden should be put on Tony Stewart you know, until a decision has been made because uh-huh. he has no obligations to come back. He's not under the only pe- person he's under contract with is himself and maybe, you know, the sponsors which are completely behind him 100%. So yeah, at the end of the day, you know, uh, it's, it's best that NASCAR, you know, keeps an iron on the fire but does not get too involved because at the end of the day they still have races this weekend. We had a, you know, great Watkins Glen race where AJ Allmendinger won, mm-hmm. putting, you know, catapulting him into the, the chase. And the so n- now no. uh it's interesting which just legally where it goes with Tony Stewart and uh, and the rest of the team to okay, chase because there's still four races remaining and although there will be no possibly no uh, I guess statistically no Tony Stewart because he had to complete this compete this in this race to go ahead but you know we'll keep you posted here on Fanatic Radio on what indeed goes down with uh, Tony Stewart and the NASCAR community, and all the uh, the legal spider, all the legal webs that are uh, encompassing this story. But I'll move ahead to baseball news, as fans can rejoice, because as of January, the Major League Baseball gets a new commissioner. I have to say I'm uh, tremendously honored uh, by the confidence that the owners showed in me today, uh, electing me to be the 10th commissioner of baseball. I agree with Bill. Um, I have very big shoes to fill um, in following Commissioner Sealing. This was a uh, very uh, thorough and, for the candidates, arduous process. I have to say, however, I enjoyed it. It was well run and well constructed. Uh, The last thing I'd like to say, and uh, this is by no means least, um, I'd like to thank Commissioner Sealing. Uh, he has been a friend and mentor to me the entire 25 years that I've been in the game. Uh, there is no question that I would not be standing here today if it were not for Bud. And I hope that I will perform as the 10th commissioner in a way that will add to his great legacy. Rob Manfred becomes the 10th commissioner of Major League Baseball starting in 2015 in a unanimous 30-0 vote on Thursday. Beeflo, in our lifetime, we have seen three commissioners come into their respective sports, football, basketball, and then we'll eventually see baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. You are their baseball aficionado here on Fanatic Radio. Uh, the right decision for C-League successor? Well, it's uh, it's interesting because is more of a mark because Steelig was an anomaly as a commissioner. He came in after the owners were very much uh, not in favor of the prize from Mr. Faye Vincent, and Steelig was interim commissioner for a few years. He's the only commissioner, as far as I know, that w- came in and was previously an owner instead of either a lawyer or a judge or a business executive uh, like Vincent. Peter Uberoff, who had the famously controversial reign, which included the uh, the uh, yeah the infamous owners' uh, collusion in the late '80s. But uh, you know, you're thinking about Manfred, and I think they made a solid decision here based on the candidate. It'll be interesting because one of his first big casts will have to be uh, labor negotiations that come up in a couple of years. Baseball, after the disastrous strike in 1994, has actually been the sport that has not had a work stoppage since then, which uh, speaks to uh, maybe not as much uh, feeling, but um, the work of Manfred. And this this current agreement was uh, organized between Manfred and 
the, the late uh, MLB Union Commissioner uh, Michael Weiner passed away uh, a couple years ago. But I think it's going to be interesting in that a lot of people are worried about uh, will Manfred be kind of similar to Selig to where Selig's edict was. Because Selig had come in after being an owner that was very much involved of the collusion of the late 80s, very outspoken against Faye Vincent. And so he, a lot of what Selig did, there was a lot of controversy, a whole lot of change. But he did stuff that did help create the creative balance if he had been a small market owner in Milwaukee. What's going to be interesting is that, and that what Manfred does, because people weren't really certain, kind of similarly, what Adam Silver would be if he would be almost like another David Stern after coming in after a very much a very, uh, you know, influential, controversial, polarizing commissioner as Stern was. And by all accounts, Silver has been a huge success thus far. It'll be interesting to see what uh, Manfred will be. I'm not all that familiar with his background, except I know about his, because he's a lawyer, and the labor uh, piece that he has uploaded. But one quick point, I listened to a, uh, a CB, I was listening to the uh, WFAN, they had CBS for a minute, uh, from, I believe actually it was John Feinstein. He made an interesting point. Will Selig be actually gone in a few months? Because Apparently, when Felix took the job as interim commissioner, he told his wife, and this is over 20 years ago, I don't plan on being more on it longer than three weeks. That was 20, 22 years ago. So some people are still wondering if Felix really is going to go when he's expected to, especially now that there is a successor to be in place. It's very interesting stuff, and it'll be big for Manford because we already know that the players' union, which is the strongest players' union in sport, has, is already angry at a number of issues going into the upcoming labor negotiations. So that, so if you, if so, if 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 Beefla was commissioner of Major League Baseball, in Rob Manfred's shoes, that would be number one in terms of we need to get this right, otherwise it's going to come crashing down. Well, absolutely, labor peace because we all. The strike and the canceling of the cancellation of the 1994 World Series, by every counts, one of the most disastrous things to ever happen in sports history. It was a significant, it really significantly hammered popularity of baseball in the in the United States. It was a major loss, and when you uh, when you talk to Sealy about it, without question, he says that that was the biggest. Um, Obviously, the biggest black guy in his tenure. Now, he also had the steroid era. And everyone remembers the steroid era as a time when people knew what was going on. Coaches, the media, and the league knew what was going on. They plead ignorance, and it's BS, and we all know it. But then what happened there was everybody basically swept it under the rug because they needed goodwill, and that came with the the home run chase in 1998 with McGuire and Sosa. Now, what's going to be key is that we've had labor peace for the last 20 20 years, actually, because the strike uh, actually happened 20 years ago this week. The labor peace is going to be important because he had good – Manfred had good relations with the previous union chief, uh, Michael Wiener, but as I mentioned, Michael Wiener is no longer with us. So now he has – there's a new guy – I don't know. I'm not certain of his name off the top of it, but he doesn't have the connection for it and the good relationship, or at least that we know of, that Wiener did. So the labor issue, which oh, was certainly one to watch because, again, as Steelix was a former owner and for many years still contr- his family still controlled the Brewers, but it's, it's the labor issue and it gets various other issues. It's going to be got to certainly be something to watch going forward. I'd say that and what he does with instant replay, because uh, there's still controversy of, you know, covering the plate and a few bad yeah. calls. And, uh-huh. you know, e- even with, you know, the challenges of some games take hours and some games are done in a couple of hours. So how, yeah. how big is he going to be in the fact that this needs to get fixed right away? 
or how soon will it be where something dramatic happens in, let's say, the playoffs, and replay fails and makes the wrong, uh-huh. you know, makes bad judgment and ultimately costs someone a series or a game. What he does with that, and I think that's probably number two after labor. And at number three, he's got to clean up or do something with this Hall of Fame, with the guys from the steroid era, because yep. you know you got you got you know the Clemens and the Barry Bonds and the Mark McGuire's. They're still in in terms of the old heads in baseball. They're still it's sort of that that dark rainy cloud that's hanging over everyone's head. Of well, if everyone was doing it, do these guys still count? You know what they did on the field. Is as bad uh-huh. if we put them in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, he was promoted COO in 2013, which basically he was, you know, next in line. Uh, and also, he's dealing with the ext- possibility of extending the playoffs. So, and yep. then the the drug testing. So, a lot of things. Most people don't know this guy and know the stories behind a commissioner, but this guy has a lot of stuff on his plate. It's interesting yeah. how quick, how less of time he has to prepare than, say, Adam Silver did with the NBA. Silver had a year, probably a year, maybe, uh-huh. you know, 10 months behind Stern before he was officially taken over. And he's made some big changes, which have That's actually right. improved the game of basketball. This guy has like a few months. He literally has the fall and half the winter, and then he's done. And then he's thrown into the fire. And like what you said, Flo, who knows, maybe C-League's like, eh, you're not ready. I'm going to be in charge for a little bit. <laughs> Sticking with yep. baseball news, funny story that came across the, uh, the wire this week featuring Tigers closer Joe Nathan. Uh, apparently, he apologized for making the gesture to the booing Detroit fans against the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's the Tigers closer. And although they did win the game, he was booed and did the uh, the old Italian mobster uh, flick of the chin, <laughs> B-Flow. Yep. Do we tolerate this, or is this guy still a bum? Well, I think that sometimes players uh, certainly get frustrated with uh, with fans, as you saw in a moment, such as that. He walked the first three runners, and he's been struggling, and Detroit for years has had issues the back end of the bullpen, and you can tell the Tigers fans, and the Tigers who have really struggled of late. They fell out, they tumbled out of first place in the AL Central. So the fans are obviously uh, – I, I do give them credit – he didn't do anything like, you know, flip anybody off. I'm sure some people saw what he did and probably didn't know or probably may not understood what it really meant. And, I mean, who, you know, they probably couldn't interpret it differently. Everybody knows what a middle finger is. So I'll give him a little bit of credit for not flipping off fans and telling him to happen uh, that whole shebang. That said, uh, not a great moment for Nathan. He obviously got his let his emotion get the better of him, you know, going and basically, you know, doing that to the fans, even though could be celebrating with that his team won. So, not a great moment. Another bad headline that the Tigers care have just been terrible. Like, although it was a much needed win, and yeah, so frustration on all on all abounds throughout Detroit regarding that team, and it really seemed to boil over with that uh, that, uh, that moment with uh, Mr. Nathan. All right, so uh, that concludes our, uh, our baseball talk. We'll have more stories on the flip side of the music break when we come back. Uh, hilarious comments by Donovan McNabb. He's in the public domain again with stupid comments. <laughs> and Flo and I will also break down the anatomy of this, uh, this sensation sweeping the nation. But stay with us. You're listening to Fanatic Radio. Block Talk Radio. It's Fnatic Radio. Even with the way they're playing, we could go undefeated. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fnatic Radio on Block Talk Radio. Fnatic Radio is America's premier sports music program. It's an essential part of our society, like hot dogs and Cadillacs. With Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insight from the wide world of sports. He should just retire so he can tip him in bronze and ship him to the Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we ever play on the show is most talented R&B. And always striving for perfection. We're climbing the ladder to success, escalator style. Yes! See for yourself. Check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio.
Cure, love song. Fanatic Radio, Bob Block Talk Radio. My gardener Ben Florence back at it again. Uh, Flo, any uh, any news, uh, offbeat oddity stories to report coming out of the week? Well, I guess that uh, you know uh, preseason football continues. I know that's something everybody loves. It seems like the hot topic right now in the NFL has been. Uh, Mr. John Football, as uh, Jay and Dana Foxworth Live refer to him as, played relatively well. Showed some promise in their preseason opener, which got a very strong uh, ratings number, over 2 million viewers for uh, NFL Network against the Lions. Now, people wondering the Lions signing Rex Grossman. Uh, what could that mean for Brian Hoyer? But Brian Hoyer will be starting the Browns next season opener. And also an interesting news, preseason news, Brady Quinn was announced as a uh, Fox Sports College football and NFL analyst uh, a couple weeks ago. But now he has just signed with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, looks like that he will be he will be playing with them through preseason a little bit. Uh, but he may not make the team. Fox has said that uh, they were prepared for this. They said all along, in regards to him, that Quinn, uh, if he wanted to continue playing, he was allowed to. It was within the contract that apparently was signed. So if Quinn ends up on the opening day roster of the Miami Dolphins, something that it, I would not consider to be sure that uh, Fox and Tim Brando, who he'll be working with on Saturdays, uh, could be in uh, need of a uh, fill-in uh, commentator, and I'm hearing it could be you, Mr. Gardner. Mm, fingers crossed that I'd love to work with Brando on Saturday morning. Speaking of guys who uh, still think they can play in the NFL and that turn to television, Tim Tebow is with the SEC Network, which launched this week. Flo, your initial thoughts on uh, ESPN's copy of the Big Ten Network? Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, everyone, there was a lot of hype around the SEC Network. And it makes sense. You know, the SEC is the biggest network or the conference in college football. So it was uh, definitely, and they had this pretty cool, I caught a little bit yesterday because DirecTV does have it. Uh, so I, I caught the beginning because they had this long piece, really cool piece about the conference narrated by uh, the great Brent Musford, who will be the face, more or less, of the SEC network on their um on their uh, football coverage working games with Jesse Palmer. And what was interesting is that they, they were talking about the SEC, and they featured a number of, of representatives of schools that are, that pre, that are, their alma mater is current SEC schools, but they did not play in the SEC. Dat Wynn played in the Big 12 with Texas Tech. Max Scherzer, uh, great uh, you know, pitcher for the Tigers, played for Missouri when they were in the Big Ten. George Rogers, uh, one of the perhaps the best player in South Carolina history, uh, and was a uh, – he may have won the Heisman Trophy, I believe, in the early 80s. They were not – they were in the – I believe in the ACC. So uh, an interesting mark that no, people noted on the Twitter. And, of course, they were – they because uh, one of the big shows will be there – their version of game day, SEC Nation with Joe Tessitore, Paul Feinbaum, Marcus Spears, and the immortal Tim Tebow. And yesterday happened to also be coincidentally, mind you, Tim Tebow's birthday, and there was a whole big thing, and they gave him a birthday cake. And the SEC Network is live. It is real. Whether it is spectacular remains to be seen. I'm curious to know how far, you know, what happens when football season's over. Because presumably uh, ESPN sort of takes over. Because, it, you know, will it, will it affect SEC Tuesday with uh, Brad Nessler and, and uh, I guess not Jimmy Dykes anymore because he's now a women's basketball coach. But right. what happens with ESPN coverage of college basketball? Because as soon as football's over, you know, nothing doesn't really pick up until baseball season. Because, okay. when, because once football season ends in about January... So they'll have a solid February, and then Turner CBS takes over in March and, and just has a full monopoly of college basketball. So th- this channel, and as I said before, it, it's a great idea for football coverage, but it, it serves a very small demographic of parents, family, and friends of the student-athletes that 
representing the SEC, and then the uh, the diehard SEC fans that are just, you know, if they're just football-minded, you know, they're not going to get a lot out of this, maybe until baseball season starts. I think it was way too much hype for this. Once again, it's just a television channel. And the fact that they have big names is is no different than what any other channel, you know, especially what uh, Fox, Sports Live, or Fox Sports 1 did with, you know, their launch of how it's more fun, which, you yeah. know, some, it's, it has been fun. It's been a great channel. Uh, and speak, so yeah, so SEC Network, way too much hype for this because at the end of the day, I will still watch Game Day, I will still watch you know, Vern and Gary Danielson on CBS, you know, it may, maybe yep. some Gus Johnson, eh, who knows, and we'll still watch ESPN, <laughs> not the SEC Network, but you know, I guess congrats to them. It's just a matter of time of what next, you know, what conference gets their you know their big break. But speaking of Fox Sports One. Uh, Donovan McNabb, uh, a friend of the show, uh, yes, is uh, is at it again, basically oh, calling out the uh, the New York Jets, saying yeah, uh, it's it's basically the Jets are garbage for running the Wildcat featuring uh, the NFL's own Mike Vick, who actually was a teammate with McNabb when Vick was with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Well, Donovan McNabb is always notorious for spouting his mouth off, hence uh, his, uh, his beef with Jimmy Johnson and NASCAR Nation. Now yep. he's got beef with the Jets and Vic for trying something new and shaking up things in New York. Why is Donovan McNabb doing this? You know, I, I really uh, I don't get it. I mean, the Wildcat kind of fell off a little bit. You still see it every now and again with teams, but you don't see it. Really, as much as really when it popped on in the, uh, the Dolphins uh, Patriots game many years back, where the, the Dolphins were running it, came completely out of nowhere and dismantled a, a very good Patriots team. Uh, uh, that may that may have been 0809. I, I I understand, you know, you have a guy like Michael Vick, which makes it interesting when you run, and especially often does the Wildcat, because he's so athletic and mobile and he can run. He's a dangerous runner. But he also has the ability to throw the ball. I don't really see what the problem is. I, I presume McNabb's problem now. McNabb is a clown. I'm willing to say that. He's, he's not, I'm, not, I'm no, not really a fan of him. I don't think he's good at all. But I think that the problem, his problem is that, you know, he, he probably thinks it's a, some sort of a gimmick and they're not running real football. My theory is, run whatever the hell the offense you want, because if it works, more to you. If it doesn't work, then no biggie. I mean, people like, people don't like when the uh, guys run the read option in the NFL, even though it's proven that that works. I don't get what's the problem here. I think McDowell's just being a goon once again. But if they and who knows, Michael Vick, I don't expect it, but could end up being the starting quarterback of the Jets. So it could be a little bit of a moot point. Uh, but I think that there's an interesting way for the Jets, whose offense hasn't been good in the last several years, really, possibly to mix it up uh, with a different option than Mike Vick. I don't see what the hullabaloo is about it, but, you know, Mr. McNabb, who we do love. <laughs> Is uh, operating probably on a different bit of a wavelength than uh, than I guess uh, others are. Well, the curious thing is, I thought Geno Smith was going to be the starter. Where, they, yeah. where is this thing? Where is this thing when Vic is starting? Of course, I think Geno Smith is feasibly capable of running the Wildcat as well. I mean, he did some read option when he was at West Virginia. So, yeah. of course, he aired it out a lot. He threw for a ton yeah. of passing yards. And at the same time, Rex Ryan is is sort of reaching into the mystery grab, the sway in the morning mystery grab bag of we need options to win because they've had very good teams in the past. You know, they finally got rid of Mark Sanchez, you know, the anniversary of the butt fumble and all. Uh, I think they have, um, you know, Eric Decker's now on the team, so they got a solid wide receiver in case this wildcat doesn't work out. But, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, just do whatever you want. I don't care because we saw Chip Kelly – Try to run Oregon's offense, and it got them to the playoffs with Nick Foles as quarterback. And you know now, now we have all this, you know, the criticism of what was going to happen with Eli Manning, with uh, the new quarterback coach up in the uh, up to the Giants, 
wanting him to throw 70% with a faster snap count, working down the play clock as quickly as possible so the Giants are going to have a speed, sped up offense. I said last week in the show, I think it's great, this sort of new wave of, of, of fast-paced football, much what we saw from the Eagles and LaShawn McCoy, who uh, was you know the ground player of the year, or the, the rushing leader. I'm surprised that Vic is still willing to do this because he did say the other day, uh, I think it was a week, couple weeks ago, that he's going to want to play till he's 40. Now, I don't know if our good friend <laughs> Father Time is going to tell him otherwise, but more yeah. power to him. And McNabb, it just goes to show that networks you know, invest way too much in, in guys and are satisfied with keeping guys that shoot their mouth off. But whatever, that's why we're on the radio and no one gets to see our faces on television. Yet. 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 Um, that being said, it's time to uh, to switch gears before we talk uh, some basketball and golf news and uh, other necessities. To uh, I want I want to talk a little bit about uh, this, this little sensation that's sweeping the nation. Uh, many m- must must know it as the uh, the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Uh, yeah. Our Barrio Ben Florence called called me out yesterday with it. Apparently, it has been extended because my brother called me out today. Nominate me today. So, uh, fans of the nation, I will be doing a video uh, this weekend and posting it to various social medias, uh, as well as donating. But so this is where uh, I want to do the whole backstory with this, because um, once upon a time on June 23rd, I had the article in front of me on auEagles.com, which I will give many shout-outs to them in a minute. Uh, we posted a story, basic uh, towards the end of June with coach, head coach Megan Jebbia, the women's basketball team, a couple assistants, and a basketball player, did something called uh, Chillin' for Charity Cold Water Challenge, basically which mm-hmm. was started by Arizona women's basketball coach Nia Butts as a fundraiser for the Yao Cancer Fund, in which, uh, you know, if coaches, it's 40, they had 48 hours to respond, and if they chose not to participate, it would have been a $250 donation to the Yao Cancer Fund. Which you know, we know the AU women's and most of the uh, college women's college basketball programs wear pink um, for the play for K Week, which is great. So it was mostly in the uh, the women's bas- college basketball sphere. And then um, when D'Antoni's brother did it at Marshall, that's when it sort of inked into the men's basketball sphere. And mind you, that was in June, sort of in July. And then, ironically. Uh, in Ju- uh, towards the end of July, or towards the middle, yeah, uh, towards the end of July, July 31st, a uh, former captain of the Boston College baseball team, Peter Freights, who's 29 years old and was diagnosed with ALS, started the Strike Out ALS campaign, ironically using the same ice bucket thing that That's Chilling right. for Charity did. And so while that is sort of, well, so Chilling for Charity has been sort of pushed to the side, this ice bucket challenge thing has just exploded. And according yep. to the Atlantic and Facebook statistics, uh, more than 15 million people have posted it, including 9 million in this past week. And <laughs> it's for a great cause. And it's, it's hilarious that you, know, you get to see you know, celebrities and guys that would never, uh, I would never expect to see guys like like Mike Shishetsky and Bill Belichick and the Pats when they did it, and then you get, yep. you know, you get then you get your personalities like Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake, and then you, then you have our Facebook feeds blowing up with it. The <laughs> fact that our our, you know, our 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 gracious idols Mike and Mike did it, thus prompting B Flow and I to do it. Yeah, uh, it's fantastic. Uh, however, <laughs> it does have some flaws, and I definitely want to get your yeah. take on this. It does have some flaws, and I'm going to point to uh, our good friends at the show today, uh, NBC. Basically, golfer Greg Norman uh, told um, Flo's boy Matt Lauer to do it, uh, <laughs> saying, and he said it is the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. And then on today, the Today Show, uh, a show that a lot of people watch, Matt Lauer completely went 180 with it, did the Ice Bucket Challenge, but... Never, but instead decided to give his money to uh, to hospice instead of ALS, which is fine because you know uh, we've I've seen certain people say you know I'll give money to ALS, but more importantly you know give money to a different cause, which we always encourage here on Fanatic Radio to give money to cause, much like what I'm going to do as well. We'll support ALS, but at the same time you know we got 
you know, money to charity for uh, Parkinson's and breast cancer and uh, yep. you know, the American Heart Association, so people can do that. But then, you know, the, the people at the Today Show just took it way out of con- way out of control in which Matt Lauer nominated everyone's favorite, Martha Stewart, who when she made her video almost looked like it was a joke or some, like, cruel dare that Matt Lauer inflicted on her, saying, you know, I was called out, which it's not calling out, you nominate. I think calling out is like, you know, something yeah. that you do to, to engage in some, you know, 18th century pistol duel. <laughs> and so now, so Martha Stewart's like, oh, I got called out. And if she never, she, she's just like, I'm just going to dump a bucket of ice. Think, treating it almost as a joke. Never once did they address what it was for or who started it. And so I think, you know, as the old saying goes, the buck stops here, especially when Lauer nominates Martha Stewart, Howard Stern, and Brian Williams. And then all of a sudden Martha Stewart calls out Blake Lively, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Ellen DeGeneres. So that's my rant on this is it was very creative and fun while it lasted. But I think now it's just gotten to the point where it's just, especially when you, know, when, when you get guys, that, people that are just uninvolved and looking for funny stories to do over the summer, I think, it, I think it's been an absolute train wreck once the Today Show got a hold of it. Your thoughts on this whole thing? The sensation you know, that's sweeping the nation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was interesting, and I'm, and I'm glad you told me about the Chillin' for Charity, because the first time I ever heard about an Ice Bucket Challenge was Chillin' for Charity, because I saw on a website, one of the websites I frequent, uh, the great Shepard Smith of Fox News, uh, he dumped a bucket of ice water on him, and he had called out somebody at MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, to do the same. Uh, the uh, the chilling for charity, and then the whole ALS thing, and and you know to, to the point that you make that it is flawed. It, there is a flaw in that it's either you donate money or you dump the ice on your head. Now, of course, people like me, which I did do yesterday, can also can do both. And you've seen oh, uh, you see notable people, high profile people. Uh, dump the ice in the hand. You also have people like President Obama, for example, that chose to do a, uh, a donation as, instead. So it's interesting that it's like, okay, you can pour a thing of ice or you donate to charity. Now, I, 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 I understand that it is definitely a flaw. I do think it's still a good thing because, as it has shown, it's been like there. It's been like like a thousand percent or a crazy percent increase in donation to groups like the ALS Association and others, ALS uh, organizations and charities and the like. And what really is important, and occasionally you hear the people like, well, what does dropping a thing of ice uh, ice of water uh, have to do with anything? The fact that it is such a, you know, phenomenon, which it really is wild. I would go through my news feed on Facebook, and literally, like, it was almost all people dumping ice water out there. Including myself, and, it was, um, but the, and the thing is, though, at the very least, it's taught it's about awareness. And now people are talking about ALS that never probably would have been thinking about ALS before. Pro- people don't won't even know what it is now. They hear about oh, the ALS ice bucket challenge. What is ALS? They take it back to the ALS is still known in a lot of circumstances and a lot of. Uh, arenas as Lou Gehrig's disease because Lou Gehrig was kind of like the first major person to succumb to such a disease had they took part of his name. So it's definitely been interesting, as you know, as a, there is flaws. I did note that, uh, it was, um, uh, or as you noted, people like Matt Lauer didn't even mention ALS, and which you know kind of almost defeats the purpose. And I guess that also that. You know, that is part of the flaw. But all in all, raising awareness, donating money to charity, that's not a bad thing as far as I can tell. So it's it's been it's been an interesting whirlwind trend. So but uh yeah, it's blown up all over the NFL. I saw a video of Eli Manning, Tom Coughlin, uh, giant Jim Jerry, the entire Patriot squad, he mentioned Shashevsky. So it's really just been a, a wild whirlwind of uh, of such a sensation. And as you are right, it's the sensation that is taking the nation. 
just a matter of how long is it going to go. I mean, how long are these videos? Because you know, eventually, this is different because it goes to a cause. You know, it's it's unlike the Call Me Maybe or the Harlem Shake. This actually has you know or, a, you know a, a lighthearted purpose to it. Or that whole you remember the whole thing, the whole drinking thing. People would nominate somebody, to, and they would have to make make like some crazy drink or drink something like chug multiple beers at once. And because and the problem with that was that people were like dying for that. Like people were thinking that's way too yeah. extreme. So and and you know I thought that was certainly uh, that's certainly an interesting contrast because that was something that went viral and really it didn't mean anything. I don't even know where the hell that came from. But uh, yeah, much like planking and t-bowing. Yes. Yes. So the other problem is how long is this going to go? Because it's a great idea for the summer. And I think it's only for the summer. The fact that, you know, you beat the heat, dump water, yeah. and then and then if you actually have a soul, donate to a cause that some people, I'm, I'm pretty sure the majority of America has never heard of, myself being included, until you told me about the whole Lou Gehrig's disease. Like, oh, okay, two and two together. But are we going to, how long is this going to go? Because I'm worried we're going to be seeing just moronic fools doing this in like December. And we're going to get some guy in the middle of the street where it's just below freezing, dumping ice on his head. It's just, you know, how far is this going to go? And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting how it's it's literally the same concept, just change the name and put a cause to it. And then, or in today, uh, the Today Show's case, don't even mention it and just think of it as an idea that just happened to come across our desk. But yeah, I spoke a challenge. I will be doing it. Uh, hopefully it's the last thing I do with that because it is for a good cause, but I kind of hope it ends soon because I am sick of flooding my news feed. But I am interested to see the different people that do it. It's gotten like CEOs uh-huh. involved. Bill Gates did it. Yep. You know, Mark Zuckerberg did it. You got, I mean, you know, now I'm curious because then, then, you know, how far does it go with the people nominating? Like I said, you got, you know, Kennedy calling out President Obama. It's like, come on, Obama's not going to dump a bucket of ice on his head. He's not that, you know, insane that he's going to do that. He'll just write a check. Yep. So that's our spiel on the uh, the ice Kennedy. bucket challenge, or as the Today Show calls it. Dumping ice on your head and calling out someone, which is the complete opposite of uh, of what it goes to. <laughs> Back to football, though. Interested that uh, Browns head coach Mike Pettin says Johnny Manziel could still possibly win the Browns' job. Interesting enough, when Johnny Manziel was drafted months ago, you know their owner Jimmy Haslam was like, you know, he's got to le- he's got to learn. It's gonna be hard knocks. You know, he is not our starter. Brian Hoyer is our starter. Then after one solid preseason game, all of a sudden Johnny Football Talk is you know, the talk of the town in Cleveland. <laughs> Can we actually see this guy starting come September? Uh, I think it's definitely the possibility. I think this is different. This situation is different than like in Jacksonville, where Blake Bortles has looked solid thus far in the preseason, but everyone, uh, including the team, they have said from the get-go, uh, we're going to go with Henny. The plan is to sit Blake Borders. Now, if Bortles plays really well, basically what these teams got to do is that they got to play the guy that gives them, puts them in the best position to win. So, and I'm sure in theory, it's nice to have the guy wait and learn, but he's, A, got to get the experience somewhere, and B, if he's giving you a better shot to win than the previous guy, why not put him in the game? I think with Manziel, I think it very, I think it very much is a legitimate possibility that Manziel could be the starting quarterback uh, next month, week one, when they play against Pittsburgh. The thing about putting Manziel in their center is that they do have a very tough troika of games to start off their season, including Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the other two right now. I don't have the schedule in front of me. So it's going, that, that'll be interesting to see how they play that. But I think that uh, if if they feel that Mandel gives a better chance to win, if he has looked better than Brian Hoyer has, who played well last year, but also didn't play all that much and then got hurt with after the year. If they feel that Mandel is ready to go, I feel like then they'll start it. But I think if perhaps if it's a tie between Hoyer and Mandel, I think they would go with Mandel. Or I think they would go with Hoyer. So, 
you put a gun in my head right now, who would be starting week one? I would still say Hoyer, but I would very much be trembling while making that uh, that jump. Well, fans can uh, can rejoice because on Monday night, the uh, Browns Giant football will be starting against the Washington Redskins. I thought Hoyer would be starting. Oh, who knows? I thought Manziel. <laughs> I think I said Man- Manziel was going to start with the first team in their second game. Oh, oh well. Uh, gotcha. That okay. being said, their first game is against the Steelers. And, you know, do you want Johnny Football starting on the road at Heinz Field on September 7th? I don't think so. But who knows? Mm-hmm. Could prove us wrong. This guy could, you know, he could completely change around. But apparently he was uh, he was late for a meeting, you know, a couple of days after that Detroit game. So it's like, ah, good. You know, I'm glad no Johnny Football is uh, still focused and ready. Even funnier, <laughs> Hall of Fame uh, wide receiver and, uh, Andre Reid, who just got you know, enshrined in Canton, uh, actually came out with a statement who the uh, the explicit is Johnny Manziel. So that shows us how much the world really cares about him. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, funny funny baseball news, by the way, B-Fly. You'll appreciate this year, but your Bronx Bombers and the Yankees. Um, apparently, uh, the Yankees uh, PR staff took to, uh, to our girl uh, Kate Upton say, telling her to not wear Tiger's gear uh, at Yankee Stadium. Float. How dare they even, you know, tell her to uh, to not support the Tigers. Apparently she got, you know, got in trouble because uh, she was wearing a Tigers hat because she, uh, you know, dated Justin Verlander. But Flo, mm-hmm. how dare the Yankees tell Kate Upton what and what not to wear? I mean, the whole thing is kind of ridiculous because they wouldn't tell a regular fan, oh, you can't wear Tigers gear or any opposing gear to the ballpark. I mean, the whole thing is kind of ridiculous. And besides, what are they going to do if Kate Upton ends up going to another game at Yankee Stadium? Now, I'm not certain of this. I, from what I could tell, and this being the Yankees, this was not something that was tongue-in-cheek. I'm not certain about that. But I think they, were, they may have actually been serious, no matter how comically ridiculous it sounds. I mean, seriously, what are they going to do? Kate Upton comes to the gate. She has a Tigers hat on. What are they gonna not accept their money? What are they gonna not accept the ticket? Are they gonna escort the stadium? I mean, if they did that, it'd be a complete farce. The, the idea that the stadium can tell anybody, a celebrity or even a regular fan like you and me, that we can't wear basically anything we want. Now, I can imagine like if it was something like vulgar, extraordinarily insensitive, maybe take it off or something. But, I mean, you're supporting the opposing team. And Kate Upton, basically, she can do whatever the hell she wants. So the whole thing is is completely inane uh, by the team that I root for. So it almost makes it, you know, it's interesting to laugh at the Yankee organization every once in a while when they do something inane like this. I mean, uh, can you imagine uh, uh, on direct orders from – uh, all the people that you work for at AU Athletics, yeah, um, XYZ notable fan, don't wear, I don't know, Holy Cross gear to an AAU basketball game at Bender Arena. I mean, it would be a force. After all, we're trying to get people to come to the ballpark as is, or to the stadium as is, And but the, the whole thing is just ridiculous. So, but, uh, yeah, stupid on the Yankees part. And Kate Upton, to do whatever the damn well she pleases, quite frankly. Any final shout-outs before we close out the show? Who has Holy <laughs> Cross gear? <laughs> if you have Holy Cross gear, write to us at at I don't like college sports, FNAC Radio, Washington, D.C., wherever you are. Any final shout-outs? Well, the only notable Holy Cross uh, alum that I can think of, well, besides Bob Cousy, is the great Bill Simmons. I want to give a shout-out. And it's almost like a melancholy happy trails to David Gregory, one of the more notable alums of American University, was unceremoniously axed from Meet the Press after six years as moderator of Meet the Press. Gregory, who graduated AU in, uh, I want to say, early 80s. I could be wrong. Uh, Or at some point in the 80s, I believe. Uh, I'm not sorry how old he is, but uh, he is now leaving NBC. NBC, the, the show had been declining ratings for several years, and NBC has basically let uh, 
uh, Gregory went out to win. There's been a lot of mixed PR messages, a lot of these stories, including the infamous story that they had a psychological uh, analyst who was white, which was completely incomprehensible out of whole thing. So NBC has kind of screwed him. Uh, of course, the performance was not what they wanted. Uh, and the great Chuck Todd will be taking over to meet the press. But, alas, David Gregory, AU alum, no longer meet the press. And as I tweeted out yesterday, David Aldridge, AU turns his lowly eyes to you. Uh, well said, DA. Shout out to David Gregory, uh, who was inspiration. Nice guy and a uh, lover of the, um, the L.A. Dodgers. He's a Los Angeles That's guy. That's right. Hopefully we can get him on the show. Talk some uh, talk some AU athletics. But I want to give a shout out to them. If we can get them. him on the Jeff Jones' coaches show, I think we can get him on FR. Absolutely. I want to give a shout out to AU athletics. Uh, volleyball team is actually ranked 24th in the preseason poll, which I think is the first yes. time ever that's happened. So shout out to the volleyball team. Um, not a big shout out to the website, though. Apparently there's a story on it today that says Monday is a big day for AU Eagles. Anticipation building. And then when you click on it, it all of a sudden says, wait for it, wait for it, check back Monday. So it's like, what is going on? You know, that's what happens when you don't hire me to you know, work for AU Athletics. But whatever, I don't hold grudges. I just report them and make them look like fools. But um, also I want to give a shout-out to uh, Steve Smith of the Ravens, who apparently said, wants to make the team mentality, we are bullies. This is after he said uh, that when they play the Carolina Panthers, there will be blood. So who knows yep. what's going to happen when that happens. Who knows what Steve Smith and his antics are going to do. But uh, that, that'll do it for uh, this episode of Fanatic Radio. Uh, go to uh, like the uh, go to blogtalkradio.com, bflow360.com, listen to the archives. Also check out the podcast on iTunes and uh, check out social media for... B-Flow's Ice Bucket Challenge, and eventually mine this weekend, uh, as it is 110 in the shade here in Dallas, Texas, so I'd be more than happy to do it for a good cause. But from all of us, we are back on the air next Friday, 4 to 5, on Blog Talk Radio from the Notorious Ben Florence. I'm Mike Gardner saying so long. We'll see you next time.